Good evening, everyone. Good evening. It's good to have this back out with us for our second half of our worship service. And we're going to cover something that we have covered before, but it's been a little while. We're going to refresh our minds. Romans chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, be opening up there with me. We reference Romans 6 so often. The idea of being dead to sin, alive to God. To remember that there's more grace of God than there is sin in the world. Paul writes that to the church in Rome, and again, he writes it to us today, here in 2021, and of course, the many years to come, until he comes, or until Jesus comes, we're going to study and we're going to adhere to it. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Paul writes, and he's encouraging to stray away from sin, draw near to God. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What an astounding question. This is a, it's a question, verse 1. So if, if, this, if there's more grace, we learn this in verse 20, that where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So if God has more grace, let's just help him out by doing what we want to do. Behaving how we want to behave. It don't matter what God would have us to do. That's the way the world thinks. That's someone of a worldly nature is going to think. Someone who is not interested in what God would have them to do. Well, the grace is not awaiting for them. The wrath of God awaits them for the sons of disobedience as we learn and as we read through God's instructions. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I agree there is more sin, excuse me, there is more grace from God than there is sin in the world. I understand that. Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Verse 2. Paul screams it out. He says, certainly not. He shouts it. Of course not. A child of God can't sin. If you, if you have that mindset of saying, well, God will forgive me. I can go behave how I want to and I can be forgiven on Sunday. Well, that, that sacrifice for your sins doesn't exist. Because your mindset says, I can go do what I want to and get forgiveness on Sunday. That's not how being a Christian works. A repentant act means you stop doing that act altogether. You don't go reverting back to a sinful state. We cannot abide in sin. Paul says, certainly not. How, we, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Listen to what he is saying to us. He's saying that as a child of God, we have died to sin. We died to sin when we made that commitment to God when you was immersed in those baptismal waters. You got your heart right, you responded to the gospel, and you made that stride in your everyday walk of life. Paul here is saying, answering the question, what shall we say? Shall we uh, abide in sin so grace may abound? Of course not. No, we died to sin. You made that commitment. You're trying your very best to be obedient to God because you want that sacrifice for your sins to be there. Hebrews 10, 26, if we abide in sin, if we continue to be dead in sin, that, that sacrifice for your sins no longer remains, but a certain fearful expectation of fiery judgment what the writer of Hebrews says in 10, 26. Well, chapter 10, verse 26, Paul says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? This, it's a mindset. 
It's not saying that we're not going to sin. It's not saying that we're not going to fall short. It's our mind state. It's a state of mind. It's our motivation. It's our goal in this life to be obedient to God or it should be. Unfortunately, Satan overtakes us. Because the snares and the wiles of the devil are custom tailored to you. They're custom tailored to me. They're custom tailored to every single person and he loves to use them against us. And sometimes we over, we're overtaken. Sometimes we fall short. Thankfully, as a child of God, we can come back to him. Again, the prodigal son. He left his father and he came back. He made the choice and he came back to his father. That's God waiting for you to come back. Because when you sin, when you fall short, you leave. You turn your back on God. It's not intentional. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act. It's a process of God not wanting to abide in sin. He can't abide in sin. He hates it. So when sin overtakes us, that repentance act needs to happen. Paul says we cannot live in it because we died to sin. Verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Let's look at, the, let's look at Christ's death upon that cross. We was having a, uh, a good discussion about that just a few hours ago. My, myself, my wife, and my grandmother. Uh, discussion about Christ's death on that cross. Folks, that was a cruel death. It was an excruciating death. It was a death for you and me. It was a death for those individuals who don't even care about God. I will continue to say that because we have hope. Today we have hope because we were once that disobedient child who was dead and who is now alive in Christ. We were baptized into his death. He paid your sin debt. He paid my sin debt. He paid the sin debt of every person who ever walked or will walk or has walked this earth. That's a lot of sin that Christ took on. Have you really grasped the gravity of that? Or how much that meant to God for his son, one third of himself, to take on sin, the thing he hates. And upon the cross, whenever Christ said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That is the point when he was separated from God for the first time in his life ever. Because he took on your sins. It's going to make it personal. He took on Jeremy's sins. So I can stand in front of my God and be justified on judgment day, same included with every person upon this earth. We have an opportunity to be baptized into his death. That's, that's a bit of neat scripture for you, if you will. It's, it's difficult to understand. But that's what it means to be obedient. Because as we are obedient children... We know what it means to be faithful. We know what it means to repent of our sins as soon as we are aware of them. It must happen. Let's look at an unrepented sin. Let's look at one that's just forgotten about. And I hope ain't no sins forgotten about. Because a forgotten about sin, unrepented, unforgiven, will condemn you on judgment day. 
Let's look at the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ will cleanse you of that sin if you repent of your sins. Turn away from the iniquities in the world. Turn away from that forgotten sin and get forgiveness of it by confessing it. By praying that He will forgive you that sin. Folks, He is just and faithful to do so. Verse 4, Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Verse 4, When you was immersed in those baptismal waters, your old person died. That Jeremy laid in the water. He's, he's under there. He's buried. I don't want to resurrect that guy. He ain't got no hope. He's condemned. Today, I have hope. Today, we have hope as we're faithful. We don't want to resurrect our old person. Today, we should walk in newness of life. And verse 4 says, the first half of verse 4, Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That person who's buried and we was resurrected, we died to sin. We're no longer wanting to abide in it. God's instruction tells us what that destructive pathway leads to or that wide and broad gate that leads to. It leads to destruction. Destruction of your souls. I want to drive that point home. He offers everlasting life. That straight, difficult, and narrow gate. The instructions that are before us, we remain in those instructions. You ever put something together? It needed instructions. Do you ever have to go back and say, wait a minute, I missed a step. Let me, let me go back. I don't have to do that all. Assembling a grill is a perfect example. The most recent thing that we, Melissa and I, have, have purchased was a barbecue grill and needs instructions because there's little screws and there, there's parts and pieces all over the place and it makes a grill when you get done. So I get to this one point and I say, wait a minute, I, I, I missed something. Let me, let me turn back and two pages were stuck together. And I missed two whole pages of instructions because what I had didn't look nothing like their instructions. So I had to go back and pick up where I left off, where I skipped. Do we look like God would have us to look? Are we following His instructions or are two pages stuck together and have we advanced a little bit about the idea of sin? Because so many folks today call themselves Christians and they have sin. They're abiding in sin. I was thinking about this verse the other day. <clears throat> See if I can't get my fingers to, to, to find it real quick. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Verse 8. The tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil. It's diff difficult to control. It's full of deadly poison, the scriptures tell us. Where it can... Bless God in one and curse men in the other. And the same speaking, the tongue can do that. Filthy language is in this verse. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8. Speaking to Christians. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, malice, 
blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. To leave sin, to die to sin, to not live any longer in it means we have to control our mouths. We have to control that tongue. We have to maintain composure when it comes to our speech. And it's difficult sometimes. It's difficult. I use the example of smashing your finger with a hammer. Or, or something of that nature. Where the, the outburst comes. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I do it myself. I'm not, I'm not going to disargue that. I'm fault just as much as anybody else is. But the difference is, someone who is lost, someone who is yet to be baptized into Christ, doesn't have a chance to get those sins remitted until that act happens. A baptismal act happens. As a child of God, I can come back to God and say, I knew that was wrong. If I'm by myself, I can talk to God and get that forgiveness. Oh, but if I'm with somebody, i got to say, oh, that was wrong. Let me, let me take that back. That the words that I'm using is displeasing in the eyes of God. I know it's a sin. And pray to God that He will forgive you that sin. And try not to do it. It's difficult, right? Smash your finger with God. No, I don't recommend that. It hurts. It hurts. We turn back to Romans <clears throat> chapter 6. I just threw a bookmark plumb out of the page. My fingers didn't want to go back to Romans chapter 6, but there we are. Romans chapter 6. We should walk in newness of life. I'm here to tell you right now, construction worker Jeremy, who he used to be, he's in those waters. He had that mouth that would make a sailor blush. Coming off with all kinds of words. That's the reason why I went to Colossians 3 verse 8. I was that guy. He didn't have any hope, remember? He responded to the gospels, his mercy in those baptismal waters, and raised and died to sin. I have a whole new focus. In our Bible class, we talk about distractions this morning. The ways of the world can be distracting as well. Let's not let the world come between us and God and not distract us to walk in newness of life. Newness means change or correction. Correction or change must happen between someone who is lost, behaving how they are lost, and to becoming saved and behaving as they are saved. Correction, change must happen. Newness of life. The example that Christ left back for us is a wonderful way of behaving in this manner. Verse 5 speaks of a union. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Did you notice something? A death happened and a resurrection happened. This resurrection is future tense. It's future tense. So as we have been buried with Christ through baptism, we have put him on, Galatians 3.27. We put him on, put Christ on through baptism. We've been buried with him in the likeness of his death, walking in newness of life. This union happens. A, a coming together, if you will. Romans chapter 8. Turn over with me real quick. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 speaks of being a joint heirs with Christ. Romans 8 verse 17. 
As and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. That union, that joining, that togetherness is there. As you are a child of God, as you are obedient to God's instructions, to the best of your ability, repenting of your sins in the whole nine yards, you will be reunited with Christ in the likeness of his resurrection. Because we have been buried with him in the likeness of his death. And in verse 6, knowing this, that our old man, here we go, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, don't get me wrong, that word slave has a really bad rap today. All it, is, all it means is servant. That's all it means. A servant of sin, that we should no longer be a servant of sin because we have done away with. That old body, that old person has been crucified with Christ in that baptismal act. As a human being, as a person, we do not deserve salvation. We're fallible, we falter, and we disobey God even when we don't even want to. We foul him. We, we disobey him. We don't deserve salvation. There's only one person that ever walked this earth that deserves salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. He was perfect. He was perfect in every manner. But it's offered, it's offered as a free gift. It doesn't cost you a dime, so to speak. But it does cost you a service. It costs you being something. Here, in verse 6, it's going to cost you from being a servant or a slave to sin. Well, let's look at the word sin real quick before we move on. Sin is missing the mark. Sin is something that God has put before you in the context of this lesson in a Bible, Bible class. Sin is God giving you an instruction and you not doing it. End of story. That's what sin is. God tells you to not curse. You say a bad word, you've sinned. God has told you to meet on Sunday twice and you don't show up but once. Understanding something that's out of your control. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. Providentially hindered. It's a sin. You don't nurture and care for one another. You don't love your brother. It's a sin. God commands us to do these things. And that's just a short list, right? Don't get me wrong. There are so many things that God would have to his, excuse me, have his children to do, and a lot of us don't do it. Let's make sure that we are being obedient to God. Because one sin, one falter, one mess up will condemn you unrepented. Newness of life. United together. And certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That's future tense. Where did Christ go as he ascended into the heavens? So I just gave it to you, right? Heaven, the right hand of God. Stephen seen him right before he died as he was being stoned. He's seen Jesus up there. And our old man was crucified in that baptismal act. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. My mind goes right back to 
John 8 and 32. John 8, 32. You might ask, what does John 8, 32 say? I can see your minds. You're looking, what does John 8, 32 say? It's very short and simple. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what Christ says. Knowing God's instructions. God's instructions is the truth. The Bible. It's the truth. It'll set you free from your sins that condemn you on judgment day. Again, being obedient to the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. An action is required. Just knowing it's not enough. You might say, what? That ain't what 832 says. No, but that's what James chapter 2 says. Knowing your faith without your works is a dead faith. You might say, now you're double talking. I'm not. Knowing the truth and doing the truth are two separate things. Knowing what you're supposed to do and not doing it, in God's eyes, it's a sin. It's his instructions. It's right there. In black and white and sometimes red. From the mouth of our Lord and Savior. That's when it's in mind. It's in red. For he who has died has been freed from sin. When you died to sin, you were set free from it. So why? Why would we condemn ourselves being put back into servitude of sin. Why would we do that? Now when I say we, I mean people in general. Why does people revert back to sin? Because it's easier. It's funner. I know it's a hard word. It's pleasing. Satan has the blinders on these people. He has put his hands over their eyes and they enjoy it. Can I say that? It happens. I've watched faithful folks come in and be faithful for just a little while, walk out the doors, and never worship God ever again. And it saddens my heart. I wish everyone would remain faithful. To hear what God has done for them, to hear what Jesus Christ has done for them, and to remain faithful means you don't abide in sin. You abide in His love. You've been set free from sin. No longer held in the bondage of servitude of sin. You've been set free. Verse 8. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Paul said something significant whenever he was talking about his life and his future. His future being eternity. He says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. But for you... It's more needful to be here. Now I'm paraphrasing the next few verses. I've got that one memorized. He says, it's more needful for me to be here. But I really want to go on. I want to go on to heaven. I'm hard pressed between the two. For it's more needful for, you to me, for me to be here. It's more beneficial for me if I go on. Because I know what heaven is involved. I know the promise that has been promised unto me. It's Paul. That's the person we're reading tonight. That's the person we're studying tonight. Now, if we died with Christ, that dying to sin, no longer living in it, for if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. He does offer us life. John 14, 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. Do you believe that you're going to live with Him? 
Well, let me ask you this. Do you know that you're living with him right now? Do you know this? Without a shadow of a doubt. That's either a yes or no. It's not a, uh, well, if it's a, uh, well, it's a no answer. We have our instructions. By keeping his commandments, he abides in us. Just as he abided in his Father's love, we can abide in his love. Only keeping his commandments is how we show our love for Christ. And the Holy Spirit is given a portion to those who believe, those who respond, those who die to sin, those who live for Christ. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. You notice what it says in verse 10. We're going back up to verse 9. Verse 10, for the death that he died, the death on the cross, that crucifying, excruciating death, he died on the cross for you, me, and everybody else who really don't even care yet to respond. He died for him. He died to sin. So our sins may be remitted for all. It's everybody. No one's excluded in the eyes of Christ, in the eyes of God. But when you put it into mankind's hands, we exclude ourselves. Let me explain what I just said. The free gift is for all. The gospel is for all. But how many folks respond to it truly and honestly? Few. Compared to the world, few. That's sad. That's sad. We made a... Uh, it's, it's been a while ago we had this distinction, this discussion about if a football player or a, or a singer or something, actor or something like that was in this building, you couldn't, you couldn't fit the folks in it. You could not fit the folks in it. Guess who's in here tonight? God, Christ, Holy Spirit, and say, they're all here tonight. And look how few folks is in here. That actor, that football player, or that singer can't promise you everlasting life. That's what God offers. And he promises those who are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves or servants of righteousness. And I'm, I'm running out of time to get there because i got to make it to verse 14. Verse 9. I said we're going to back up. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, and death no longer has dominion over him. Folks, he died once. He is the right hand of God in heaven where death doesn't even exist. Doesn't that sound wonderful? To die just once. Those unfaithful are going to die twice. Those outside of Christ are going to die twice. Revelations 21.8 speaks of that second death. And Revelations 2 and 10 speaks of the place where it's going to happen. And who it's reserved for. Christ will die no more. He died for you once. And that was plenty enough. And verse 11, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Two ends of the spectrum. 
Consider yourselves being dead to sin, but alive to God. Why would you be alive to God? Back up. I know. We like to back up here at Booth Chapel. Back up Romans 5 in verse 20. What about sin and grace? What about sin and grace? Moreover, the law entered but the, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Let's help God out by not sinning. Let's be pleasing in his eyes by dying to sin and living to Christ or living to God. Have that mindset of Paul, for me to live is Christ. What he is saying there is, as I abide upon this earth, it's going to be just like Jesus Christ. Never stop teaching, never stop walking, never stop living upon this earth. Folks are going to see Christ abiding in me. It's what Paul said. Can we say that about us tonight? I seriously hope so. Because that is our instructions, that ours are our commandment from God, our examples from Christ. Let's make sure that happens. Let's, not, let's make sure we're not finding ourselves wanting and needing in that department of being a Christian, that being Christ-like, that being folks can see Christ abiding in us. <clears throat> Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In verse 12, Therefore do not let your sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. Don't let sin reign in your body. Paul, Paul's coming across here very sternly. Just as God told Cain, sin lies at your doorstep. It's there. You got to rule over it. Paul, in his own words, he's saying, rule over the sin in your hearts. Rule over the sin in your mortal bodies. Because it's there, you need to rule over it. Verse 13, and do not present your bodies as, as instruments of unrighteousness unrighteous, doing anything that's displeasing the eyes of God, disobeying God, sinning, <clears throat> excuse me, but not instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of God, as instruments of righteousness to God. All right, see where the instruments of unrighteousness lead you? To sin, to death, Destruction. I'm running out of time. So we see where the instruments of righteousness lives. Uh, excuse me, lead you to. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, no longer abiding in sin, dying to it, and your members as instruments of righteousness to where? God. God has created a pathway for us to follow. And it leads to Him. It leads to everlasting life. Let's make sure with that instrument of righteousness, what's an instrument? A tool, thought is. Something that you do. The way that you behave, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you proclaim the gospel, an instrument of righteousness. Not unrighteousness, that leads to sin and death, but to righteousness. And in verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Now that law reserved, excuse me, reserved back for those Jewish folks. Here we know that we are under grace. For by grace you have been saved, though not of yourselves, lest you should boast. By grace you have been saved. So let's make sure we have grace awaiting for us. Let's make sure we're not abiding in sin. 
Let's make sure we died to sin after we have taken that commitment, after we have been buried with Christ through the baptismal act, and walk on this earth just as Christ himself walked. Continue, folks, to be able to continue to see Christ abiding in us. Let's make sure that happens. Have you taken that short walk with Satan? Are you ready to come back to Christ? Are you ready to repent of your sins and confess your sins and to get forgiveness of that sin? Let's make sure that happens tonight. Let's make sure that we are a child of God tonight because Jesus Christ may come in 15 minutes. Are you ready? I seriously hope so. Only you can answer for yourself. Only you can say that you are an instrument of righteousness to God. Are you that instrument tonight? Do you need to change from an unrighteous instrument back to a righteous instrument? Do you need to become that righteous instrument? That being said, I might have confused you a little bit. Do you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins? Don't wait anymore. Don't tarry. Because we don't know. Tomorrow's not promised. Let's make sure that we are saved. Let's make sure we stand before our Heavenly Father justified in His eyes. Do we need to make a change? Why don't we do so as we stand and as we sing a song of invitation?